Good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and grandmothers. And so glad that, um, you know, the Lord gave us mothers. Uh, we, we wouldn't be the same without each and every one of you and the love and the compassion and all the things that you have done for your families. And uh, we're just praying that God bless you and uh, enrich you and encourage you today. And uh, we just honor all of our mothers today. So thank you. Uh, today, we're talking about purpose. And as we've been talking in the last several weeks about real life and what real life looks like and means to us, we've been going through a process of knowing God. We want to know God. We want to find freedom. And today, we're talking about discover purpose. And really, my message today is a, it really fits well with probably today's theme of Mother's Day because there's no greater example that we know of, of a person in our society and in our lives who embodies what this message is all about than our mothers. And the title of this message is Our Purpose, It's Not About You. It's not about you. And I want to get into this and encourage you to just be stirred about your life and the importance that your life has on this planet and what God has for you and for your life uh, and the impact that he wants you to have. And so uh, today we're going to talk about this. And I thought it was, it was interesting. I want to read for you um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And uh, I didn't grow up as a Catholic, but I, I came across this in my research this week. And I just love kind of this preamble or this statement that introduces the catechism of the Catholic Church. So if you're a Catholic or an ex-Catholic, uh, you know, if this is part of your background, you may have heard this before. But let me read this for you. I think it's just beautifully put. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man, to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, and to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and savior. In his son and through him, he invites men to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children and thus heirs of his blessed life. And that is really the purpose of our lives is to know God and to make him known to enjoy this blessed life that God has made possible for all of us. And that blessed life is not just for us and our own sake and our own benefit, but it is to overflow to those around us. And so for the last 40 years, the mission of this church really is what I agree with as the purpose for our life. And that is to know God and to make him known. And it's not just about me. And it's not just about you. In fact, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Christ in you and Christ in me. As we are those on planet Earth, right? Filled with the life of God to share that life with others. And so let's talk about that purpose today. In our world, obviously, um, our purpose in the world's eye is really about self, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree with me? It's about self, and, but our purpose is not about self-pleasure. 
or self-actualization or self-promotion or self-will or self-improvement or even self-love. This is too small of a purpose for your life. For your life just to be about you, that's too small. That is not what God has for you. And if we as self, like selfish people got everything we wanted, we had everything we ever desired, we were able to do whatever we wanted, I'm telling you right now, our life would be small. Our purpose would be small. Our life would, our, the significance of our days spent on earth would be very small because your purpose is so much bigger than just you having pleasure or you and I experiencing things that we want or, or that we desire. Our purpose is so much bigger than just ourselves. Okay, and that's today's message. And that's why I think mothers is the perfect example of this. Because isn't that what mothers do every single day? Laying their life down, giving of themselves, investing themselves into their children, into their families, and, and, and into the purpose that God has for their lives. And so let's talk about this by looking at some words of Jesus. And here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verses 34, 35. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So what is Jesus talking about here? I want to break this down a little bit and just let us process this, this very short passage, but very powerful truths, because it really comes to the core of what do we see our purpose as on planet Earth? Is it all about us, or is there a greater purpose that God wants to see, that God wants to do something through us? Okay, and so this is what Jesus said. He said, first of all, if anyone would, would come after me, he must deny himself. Now, what this phrase means, to deny himself, is to cease to make self the object of our life and our actions. Now, this is our sinful nature. This is by far the clearest picture that we have of what our sinful nature is all about, self. It's all about me, 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 I, I, I. And we begin to, in our sinful nature, right, draw everything into ourselves, Everything's about me, how I feel, what I want, what I think, how that person's treating me. Do I like that? Do I not like that? I want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it's all about self. Our entire existence as we grow up as a child is internally focused. All about me, all about myself, right? And Jesus says, first of all, if we want to follow him, we want to come after him, that we need to learn how to deny ourself, to not put self at, at the top uh, and put self in control, but rather put him in control. And so we need to deny ourselves. or in other passages of the Bible, it says, die to ourself, die to ego and putting ourselves at the center of our purpose because that's not our purpose, right? So that's step one. Step two, or the next point that Jesus is making, is he says, take up your cross. Deny himself and take up his cross. And this really is a willingness to suffer and to die for the Lord's sake. Now, I know that sounds like a pretty radical statement, to suffer and to die 
for the Lord's sake. Now we know there are people who are suffering literally and dying literally for their faith. And that may happen. We don't know what the future uh, entails. But the idea of this for sure, if not to that degree, is to die to our own personal pride, to die to our own personal plans, to die to ourself. And so Jesus is saying, you need to just deny yourself, put me first, and be willing to just lay it all on the line for me, to not care about your own agenda, but to embrace me completely, even if that looks like you're going to die or suffer. Now, this is going somewhere, but the third thing that Jesus says is, and follow me, and follow me. And the Lord's example, his leadership and his example was that he's asking us to follow was to lay his life down for others, right? So Jesus says, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to take up your cross, embrace this idea that um, you're not going to try to defend your life, defend your, your pride, defend your opinions, but you are going to follow me wholeheartedly, even if it costs you your life, and it will cost you yourself, right? Your pleasure, Okay, but in all of this, Jesus says this, if you will do this and you will lay your life down for me, then you're actually going to find life, right? You're going to find your purpose and you are going to come alive. I know it's like a paradox to us because we think just the opposite, right? Our natural thinking is if I protect myself, if I gather things that I want, if I do what I want, then I'll be happy, then I'll have a great life. Uh, you know, then I'll have satisfaction. Uh, but Jesus is saying it's actually the opposite. If you lay your life down and you invest your life into the kingdom and you follow me and you follow my lead and you lay your life down and invest it into the people around you, you lose your life for me and for the sake of the gospel, you will find life. You will find purpose. You'll find love, joy, and peace. And that is the absolute best path that any one of us could take. This is so countercultural, it couldn't be any more opposite than the way of the world. This is absolutely 180 degrees heading in the opposite direction, isn't it, than what our culture is. We are definitely canoeing upstream and uh, fighting, fighting the current here because this doesn't make sense to our sinful nature. But in the eyes of eternity, it makes perfect sense that this is not all that there is, and that our life has a purpose way beyond a temporary, small, self-pleasure, self-seeking adventure. We have an eternity that we can impact with the short time that we have on this earth. And that's what Jesus is trying to get to, all right? And so our purpose is not self-love. It's the opposite of self-love. It is loving others. It is giving our life away. It's trusting in Jesus. It's finding our real identity in God, our eternal security in him, and being willing to lay everything down for his sake that others may know him as well, and we can impact eternity that way. So I want to just show you kind of what I'm saying in a real simple diagram. And this is kind of how I look at the comparison of self. If self is the center of our life, I really believe that, it, it looks like this, that here's our circle of influence and everything begins to be focused on me. Everything I interpret in life, 
everything I'm interested in, uh, you know, my opinions, all that kind of stuff. It's all about me. What people can do for me. Is there any benefit for me? Is that what I like? Is that what I want? We can all relate to this. But I believe as we live that life, this kind of a life, what I see happening, and I think what the scriptures are teaching, is that this life gets smaller and smaller and smaller in significance. Because when it's all about you, it shrinks your significance. The only person that is really benefiting at all in any way seems to be just you because everything's about you. Everything's coming inside, internal, right? And the opposite is true. And this is what Jesus is talking about is if the spirit is the center, the opposite happens because the spirit of God in us is always looking to go out to love people, to impact people, right? To reach out and have a difference. And this life gets bigger and bigger. And the influence of this kind of life is a legacy we would all be excited about. And it's an expanding. And this one here just gets smaller and smaller. I'm just going to put these dotted Lines because they're, they're disappearing, the influence is shrinking, and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? And this is expanding out bigger and bigger and bigger. Your life has a great purpose, and it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you to impact others around you. And so, I don't know, I kind of think of this kind of lifestyle, a self-centered lifestyle, as like a black hole, you know? Like it just absorbs everything around it. And it just sucks the life out of everything around. And, and there's no light coming out. There's no benefit coming out. It's just everything's coming in. Everything's coming in and shrinking and disappearing. But this, not that this is a good analogy, but this has a, a picture to me of like a big bomb or something that, that has this waves of energy going out, just boom, and expanding and just, just rolling out like ripples, waves, you know, from a pond, just moving out, moving out, moving out. And there's waves of love and waves of impact and waves of positivity and waves of life change that happens when a person is living with the spirit in control, not their self, not their self. And so what is the most valuable and precious thing in existence. What do you think? What do you think that most valuable and precious thing is in existence? Uh, let's think about water or land or, or buildings, maybe a beachfront property or an island or the biggest building or the greatest, greatest structures that we've built. What about money or gold or diamonds or Bitcoin, or Tesla stock. You know, what is, what's the most valuable thing that you can think of? How about your family? Maybe you say, no, my family's more important to me. Uh, my friends are more important to me than any money, than any building, than any property. Yeah, I'd agree. What about your health? Oh yeah, that's pretty valuable. That's pretty precious to me. But you know what's more valuable than your health, even your family, your friends, than any amount of money, or stocks, or property? or buildings, or anything like that, that any person could own, what's more valuable than any of that stuff? Jesus tells us in this next part of this verse. He says this, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world 
yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, the most valuable thing in all of existence is our souls, our eternal being, and where we spend eternity. This is the most important and valuable thing on the planet, our people's souls. Because everything else is temporary, but a person's soul is eternal, right? The spirit in them is eternal. And so this puts everything into perspective. What's the purpose of our life? Is it to collect things? Is it to gain possessions? Is it to gain awards? Is it to gain notoriety, to gain power? You know, uh, to have fun, to have experiences. Is that what our purpose is? When all of those things are temporary, passing away? No. Our purpose, from a biblical perspective, our purpose is to impact eternity by winning souls. We are God's ambassadors to this earth. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5. Verses 17 to 21. Listen to this. Paul's talking. He says, Therefore, if any one of us is in Christ, we are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So what Paul is saying is, now we have been set free from a life of sin and self. We have a totally different purpose now. We are alive in God and our old is gone. Hallelujah, right? And the new has begun. We are born again in the spirit of God. And all this is from God. We didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it. But by faith, we have received this new life in him. And with this new life in him, Paul says, he gave us, all of us, the ministry of reconciliation. That we get to go out and help reconcile other people to God. That they have the same experience. And that they are born again. And their life has meaning. And they're transformed. Okay, he goes on to say that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we have this message that we get to share. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I like that analogy. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, Paul is saying we are now ambassadors. I like this analogy because we are representing a kingdom and we have been anointed in a political, you know, sort of, sort of idea of a kingdom. We are representing the kingdom of God. We have been anointed and empowered and sent and commissioned by God himself, our king, to go forth with a message. And the message that we are going into this world with is a message of reconciliation, a message of hope and love and redemption and transformation, a message of love. And so do you see, this is our purpose. Our purpose has never been just about us, but about God's will being done on the earth. And God's will being done on the earth means people's souls are returning home to him, just as you have. Now, God wants to empower you to let that experience take place in someone else through you, through God in you. Isn't this awesome? 
And so, you know, I just want to kind of do a little side note on something that I think a lot of us struggle with, and I want to connect it to this idea right here. And it is this, this uh, very difficult issue of being offended or taking offense, being hurt by somebody, um, being disappointed by someone, being left out and being hurt and, and embittered towards somebody or angered towards somebody. Now, we all have been offended. We all get hurt. We all get let down. We all have people hurt us or harm us, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But I want to talk about this offense for a minute. How does that happen? How does that work? And I want to be just very clear about, about this. Now, I, I'm with you. I have been offended. I get hurt. But this is what's happening when we get hurt, when we get offended, okay? First of all, what happens is our self, our self is in charge in those moments. What I mean by that is we are being self-centered in those moments. Because what we are doing is we are looking for ourself to be respected or to be affirmed or recognized or valued or applauded. We're looking for something from someone outside to fill some need on the inside that ourself says we need, right? I should be appreciated for what I've been doing. I want to know that I am important to so-and-so. I want to be a person that is involved in this decision. I want, I think I should, doesn't anybody see what I'm doing? Okay, these, all these different thoughts, right? In those moments, all those, we can all relate to that, but let's be honest together. In those moments, our self is running the show, right? And when our self is in control, and someone does something or does not do something that our self wants in that moment, then we get offended. Okay? So that's how it works. So here's the deal. This is because self looks for the things on the outside to bring meaning to the inside. All right? But Christ brings us value on the inside, our identity on the inside, so that we don't strive for the things on the outside to bring meaning to us. So in other words, when the spirit is in charge, we're not looking for things on the outside to meet needs on the inside. When the spirit is in charge, we have the love of God. We have the identity of God, the security of God, the confidence in us of God that our needs are met. And we are literally looking out and overflowing to love other people. And listen to this statement. When the spirit is in charge, you are unoffendable. You're unoffendable. When the spirit is in charge, you're unoffendable. When the self is in charge, that's when you're offendable. Okay? So now I'm not saying that what people do to us isn't wrong. That there are times that people are doing things and saying things they might be gossiping about us. They might be leaving us out. They might be disrespecting us. They're, they might not be appreciating us. Okay, that's fine. All of that's true. I understand that. Okay? But if the Spirit is in charge of you, those things aren't going to offend you. They're not going to bother you because you're not dependent upon those outer circumstances to bring your, yourself value or affirmation. Do you see what I'm saying? 
And so even though what people are doing on the outside is offen offensive, okay, you don't have to take offense if the Spirit of God is ruling and reigning in your life. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's what happens here. This is so freeing. This is so liberating. You have a choice. Even when people do things wrong, even when things are done on purpose against you, even when things are said against you or, or, or things that, that would normally really offend you, even in those moments, you don't have to be a victim to other people's stuff. If the Spirit of God is ruling and reigning in you, you are unoffendable. It'll just bounce right off. Because your value doesn't come from anybody else. Your value comes from God. Your affirmation doesn't come from anybody else. Your affirmation comes from Jesus Christ, who is living in you, who died for you, who has forgiven you, has provided everything for you, who died and loves you so much that you have eternity in him. You have security in him. You don't need anything from anybody else. He is everything that you need for life and for godliness. Okay, amen? So I got a challenge for you about offense. Here's my challenge, two things, a thought challenge and an action challenge, okay? My thought challenge for you is to think about the fact that your value is determined by what God says about you and what God has done for you, not what people say about you or what people have done or not done for you. So my thought challenge is that, define your value through God's eyes, not man's. Through God's actions, not man's. Through God's words, not man's. You lay hold of this, and that will help you become un unoffendable. Okay? And of course, we all have weak moments. We're all tired at times. We're all hungry at times. We all have, you know, these moments, right? And when we have those moments, we will get hurt. And when we get hurt, we need to forgive. So here's three tips I want to give you real quick today, just so you can live free. Free from offense, because that is just a horrible thing to live uh, angry at people and bitter and feeling like you're a victim and everyone's against you and nothing works out for you. That's a miserable life. Don't do that. Don't live that way. There's a whole different way that you can live, okay? Don't put self in the center. Put the spirit in the center. I know it's not easy, but here's three tips I want to give you very quickly. Number one, live loved by God. Okay, so my thought challenge I gave you was define yourself through God's eyes, not man's. But my action challenge is this to you. Strive to be unoffendable. And to be unoffendable, you need to live loved by God all the time. Live loved by God, okay? The opposite of being lived, uh, as living loved by God, the opposite of that is living for other people's affirmations, looking for other people to fill your love tank, okay? Don't do that. That's where you're going to be offended. That's where people are going to disappoint you. That's where they're not going to measure up. But you need to live loved by God. Here's a, verse for, a couple of verses for you. 1 John 4, 16 to 17, and verse 19. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Do you see the focal, focal point there? I'm knowing, experiencing, and relying on the love that God has for me. He goes on to say, God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we're going to focus on how much God loves us and what he says about us and what he has done for us. That's the love of God. 
And verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so for us to love other people, we have to have the love of God in the center, not the love of self. So our love comes from the love that we are experiencing and living in, in God. Always remind yourself how much God loves you, what God has said about you and to you, and what God has done for you. That's how I stay loved by God. Okay? Number two, give the benefit of the doubt. Give the benefit of the doubt to people. Let's put it a different way. Always assume the best. Because what's the opposite? Uh, for people who are good at being offended, okay, if I can say it that way, people get offended a lot. I would say it's this, they're always assuming the worst. You know, that person walks by, didn't notice me, and then they fill in all these blanks, the worst type of possible blanks, right? That person doesn't care about me. Look at them. They, I know they noticed me, and they're just ignoring me. They don't like me, or they're mad at me, or they don't think I'm good enough, you know, or whatever. And so we start to assume the worst, right? But it's biblical for us to actually give the benefit of the doubt and actually to assume the best, about people. Assume the best. Look for God in other people. Don't look at other people through your hurts or your pains or your needs or yourself because you're going to misinterpret things and you're just going to create more pain for them. And then you're going to probably extract that pain as well on other people. So give the benefit of the doubt. Here's a verse for you to think about. 2 Corinthians 5, 16. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Paul is saying, we're not going to look at people through the eyes of self, through our own ideas, through our own opinions. You know, and we are going to look at people through the spirit of God. We're going to look for Christ in one another and assume the best and pray for the best and not look at people through judgmental worldly perspectives. You know, I think it's very interesting. Before I go on to my last point here, of the, these three tips. When Jesus said this in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 8 about if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When he said that, just before, he had this really strange encounter with Peter. He was talking to his disciples. You can read this in, in Mark chapter 8 about his death, his betrayal, his death on a cross was coming. He was being plain about what he was going to be doing. And Peter pulls Jesus aside. Maybe you remember this story. And he says this. He re Peter rebuked him and was talking Jesus, trying to talk Jesus out of this idea of dying, on a, uh, you know, dying for, for people. Okay? And this is what Jesus said to him. It says, when, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Now listen to these words. He said, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. In other words, Jesus was saying right now, you are not living by the spirit and looking at things through God's perspective and truth. In eternity, you are looking at how this affects you and your worldly understanding and your worldly mind and your self-centered perspective. So he rebuked that spirit that was coming from a self-centered place, fear, insecurity, uh, whatever, you know, that was coming from in Peter. 
And he says, you do not have the mind of the spirit right now. You have the mind of flesh, of the, of the self. And that's where all offense comes from. And so Jesus said, right after he said this to Peter, he said, no, 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 no. If you want to follow me, you have got to die to yourself. You need to take up your cross. You need to follow me. You need to lay your life down and then you'll find it. You are not trying to preserve your life and keeping it. No, no, no. That's not what I'm doing. I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to do it myself. And in that, there is life. And that is your purpose, Peter. That's your purpose, guys. And that's your purpose to you and to me, he's saying today. And so let's give each other the benefit of the doubt and not consider each other through the self-centered lens, but through the spirit of God. And let God do a good work in your, in your friends, your neighbors, the people around you. Let God work those issues out in their heart and let them blossom because you're being a blessing, not a curse, right? You're not taking offense and, and, and being bitter towards them, but you're going to let God do his work in those around us, okay? And the third quick tip I have for you is forgive quickly. So number one, live loved by God. Number two, give the benefit of the doubt. And number three, forgive quickly when you do get offended. When you do have a, a, a lapse here and you got your feelings hurt and that someone did something wrong to you or you interpret it as they did something wrong to you, uh, that's going to happen, right? We're, we're, we're realists here. We know this is going to happen. We're not perfect. So when we get offended, forgive quickly, right? This is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. Okay, so there's going to be times when we get angry. There's going to be times when people let us down and we get upset. But in that moment, the Bible says, don't sin. And here's, here's the definition of sin or getting into trouble, okay? Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, I've always talked about the 24-hour rule. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let 24 hours go before you forgive, if someone hurts you, you have this weak moment, that's okay. Process it within the day and release that pain to God. Release that person by forgiving them. Do not hold it against them. Get your perspective back in order. Put the spirit back in charge and release it so the devil doesn't have a foothold in your soul. So he doesn't get to start planting bitterness and anger and strife and gossip in your heart. Begin to spoil you and begin to hurt other people through you. Because we know that every time we're hurt by someone, it's because that person was probably hurt. That's how it works. Pain, sin, bitterness, it perpetuates itself. It repeats itself. So you be the one that cuts it off and stops that cycle. Amen? We are, we are made to live in freedom. We're not just made to be set free and then go back into bondage. We're made to actually live free. So we have the tools of forgiveness to keep our hearts cleansed and free from all that crap, right? <laughs> Amen, all right. All right, and then Colossians 3.13 says this, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right, and so that's just a, a little side note. And I wanna finish this message just once again by honoring our mothers. What a great example of this lifestyle and living this type of a purpose we have in our moms and our grandmothers. And so here's just a few 
tips I thought, or, or a few th points I want to make about who better exemplifies denying oneself and taking up her cross and following Jesus than a mom. And I got a couple different roles to celebrate here. Number one, chefs, right? A mom is a chef. She prepares the meals for the family. And sometimes your children love the meals you prepare. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they even hate them, they might say. But most of the time they simply wolf down that food that you prepare and run off to the next activity. But occasionally you might get a thank you, right? But moms, they're, they're, they're great, great chefs for us. Also, housekeeper. You have the opportunity to clean all kinds of messes, clothes on the floor, cups left around everywhere, wrappers, Cheerios on the floor, crunching on your feet, spilled milk, food, drinks, dirty diapers, vomit, the list goes on and on. Our moms are not just chefs, but our housekeepers. And our moms are event planners and managers. You schedule everything, doctors and dentist appointments, school events. You keep track of all the soccer games or baseball games or the special school days and activities, practices, vacations. And you plan all the special holiday festivities for the family. The calendar is your most important document in life, right? <laughs> uh, also, teacher. Uh, our moms are our teachers. From potty training, tying shoes, pouring milk and cooking, to math problems, pulling weeds, doing dishes, and reading. The alphabet, colors, numbers, and matching, to thinking, deciding, dating, and marrying. You teach your children everything about life. You're also a chauffeur. You drive your children to school, the doctor, the dentist, the practices, the play dates, the store, a friend's house, all the while trying to have significant conversations with your children so you can mold their minds and their hearts. You're a launderer, collecting, scrubbing, spraying, scrubbing, and washing, drying, and folding, and stacking, and carrying, and putting away, and repeating it over and over and over again, right? You're a counselor, whether it's scraped knees and boo-boos, or hurt feelings, or bad days, failures, and broken hearts, or making big or little decisions, choosing clothing styles or friends or colleges or careers or even a spouse. You are a trusted counselor to your children all along the way. And while my kids are still fairly young, you know, I understand that a parent and a mother is a mother for life, right? Regardless of the age of her children. They don't always acknowledge your kids. They don't always acknowledge it, but your children are listening to you and they appreciate your wisdom, your advice, your support, and especially your love. You're a healthcare provider, right? You're a scrape knee fixer, a fever checker, a chicken noodle soup maker, <laughs> Tylenol carrier, Kleenex supplier. You know when to go to the doctor. Uh, you just are a great healthcare provider for your children. You're also a referee. You navigate the conflicts and disagreements in the home between all parties. You teach your children how to share, how to listen, how to negotiate, how to compromise, and how to problem solve, and how to forgive, and how to apologize. You keep the peace in the home, and you keep, keep peace in the family, in the whole family together. But probably more important than all of these other roles that I've mentioned, you are a world changer. By investing your life, by laying your life down, for your children, even for your spouses, all the time, all the sacrifice, all the hard work, 
all that stuff that you put aside so that you can give yourself to the betterment of your children, your grandchildren, your family, all of these things I've said and so much more that, that we don't have time to discuss. All of that that you are giving, all of that that you're investing, you're literally pouring yourself in is changing the world. Because when you, when you raise a child with integrity, with character, with the wisdom that you're pouring into them, when you nurture them, you protect them and you love them and you give them that security in their own lives, when you provide that safe upbringing and you continue to offer yourself to those children and they grow up, they become world changers too. And so I just want to commend and honor everyone who's watching who's a mom uh, or a grandmother or those who have just poured themselves into other people in this sort of way. This is how the world is changed. And this is part of the purpose God has for our lives is to be filled with his love and his spirit that we might overflow to those around them. Happy Mother's Day. Keep it up, moms. Keep it up, grandmothers. We don't always show our appreciation, but be, be, just be assured that all of your love and all of your sacrifice, it is making a difference. It's changing the world. When you change your kids, when you bring them up in this way, it's everything. It's the most important job on the planet. And may God's spirit lead you and empower you and be gracious to you and continue to empower you to be that world changer through your role in your family. Amen. Amen. I want to close by just reminding us of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. As we know God, as we find freedom, we begin to discover our purpose and we make a difference. That's what real life is all about. That's what we're doing together as a family. And I just want to encourage you to continue to press in to all that God has for you. Also coming up on May 23rd, we're going to have a special one-time offering for our vision of the future. And uh, we're looking to do a new parking lot and a new sign and some new bathrooms in our first phase of this next 18-month uh, vision improvement you know, that we're going to be going through. So if you would like to pray about God giving, uh, pray to God about anything that God would have you give towards this, we're going to be looking to do that on May 23rd, okay? So we're looking to celebrate what God is going to be doing as we continue to prepare and invest our lives like this that we might be able to reach more. And so I really believe that God has a great plan for all of us and he has a plan for us together. And as we follow that plan, as we invest ourselves into God's kingdom, Jesus says, when you lose your life for me, you will find it. And I believe God has a great purpose for us together. As we even do things like with our property and our building, we're preparing this place for more people to encounter the love of God for our message of reconciliation, to have credibility and to go out to even more people who we haven't met yet that one day will be coming and being a part of this family and their lives will be saved and their lives transformed because we're just following Jesus and we're doing what he's called us to do. So be encouraged, lay your lives down for the kingdom of God and for the will of God, and you will find your purpose. You will find life to the full. That's how we have real life. So discover your purpose in Jesus. 
Let me pray for us as we close. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus, then you can join me in this prayer and you can put him at the center of your life. If you would recognize that you really have been living self, you, you, yourself has been in charge and, and you're ready to switch from self to spirit, I'm telling you, this is where the life is and this is where your eternal destiny is. And if you're not sure how to go from here to there, it's just a decision that you make right now to put Jesus as the Lord of your life, to put him in the center of your life and to trust in him, not yourself, to surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus and all of your sins are forgiven. You'll be born again. His spirit will be upon you and he will give you this new discovered purpose in him that will impact eternity. So if that's your heart, pray this prayer with me, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and giving your life so that I might have life in you and through you. Today, I surrender myself, myself to you. I decide to surrender all that I am and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. And thank you for dying for me and paying a debt I couldn't pay for forgiving me of my sins. And today I receive your spirit to be born again, to be new in you and to be empowered to live this new life. In your name, Jesus, I pray and I trust. Amen. Amen. Well, as we go forth today, my takeaway for you again is those two simple challenges. Your thought challenge, remember, right, that God God's perspective, God's words and actions is what brings value to you, not man's. And secondly, strive to be unoffendable, right? Live loved by God. Be, um, give the benefit of the doubt to one another and forgive quickly, forgive quickly so we can enjoy that freedom that God has for us. But bigger than that, remember your purpose is not about you. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you to impact others for eternity. So may eternity grow this week, amen, through what God puts on our hearts to do and say in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace in his name. Amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.